0: You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: ...have been identified across the state of Alabama, many of them underage youth. Click TuscaloosaThread.com for more local news. Don Hartley, Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa.
0: The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide Kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right,
2: here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to the Gary Harris Show here for this Friday february 16 2024 that's right it is indeed a tgif edition of the show and friday as i've said before is my favorite day of the week the anticipation going into the weekend but all fridays are not created equal uh what i mean by that is sometimes you get to friday and it is smooth going and it's just been a nice easy laid back week and then some weeks are like the last well really the last two weeks for me but this week too um you know when you try to get to the finish line man it's been it's been work it has been <clears throat> you can hear i'm still coughing but i'm feeling a lot better but it's just going to be a process i mean there's just no other way around it but it's uh, all weeks are not created equal i'm glad it's friday even though i'm working tomorrow and tomorrow night it's still we're headed into the weekend gary harris justin jones this is the gary harris show on Tide 100.9 fm and 12:30 30 am wtbc remember to download the app todd 109 app that's the best way to Take us with you anywhere you go, and you can also listen at Tide109.com. And remember, too, that um, you can message us on the app. We're going to get back to, to reading some of those messages, and uh, always message us on the app. Tide109 app is just a great way uh, to, uh, to keep Tide109 in 1230 a.m., WTBC with you wherever you go. All right, Jam Pack Show, as always, on Friday. I'll run down the lineup here for you in just a second. We've also got uh, a look ahead to the big sports weekend. I will say right off the top, uh, Adam Amin had to uh, cancel on us this morning, but that's okay. We've uh, I filled that spot with a great guest that we'll tell you about here in just a second. All right. Uh, first, though, this hour the Gary Harris Show being brought to you as always by my good friends at Alabama Credit Union. And I will tell you this right now. Uh, I mean that. Good friends. Great to be a member there. Steve Swaffer, the CEO. The entire organization. My friend Tommy Cobb. Uh, Kelly Porter, everybody there, they're just tremendous. And they'll remind you that convenience and savings make life better. The ACU Lifestyle account is something that will fit your lifestyle. Learn more right now at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for memberships and join today. And feel good about your money. (coughs) And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, here's what we got today. And I said no Adam and me, but 930. You longtime Alabama football fans... And Wishbone fans from the 70s are going to recognize this name. <coughs> Quarterback Jack O'Rear, Terran, Alabama. One of the best uh, quarterbacks in terms of running the Wishbone uh, under Coach Bryant. He will uh, be with us at 9.30. We'll go down memory lane. We'll talk about some of the big games in his career. Uh, being brought in with so many different quarterbacks. Those were the days when Coach Bryant would sign. Uh, you know, 10, 12, 15 quarterbacks in a class in the early 70s. And uh, throughout the 70s, the thought process Coach Bryant had was usually a quarterback was the best athlete on the field, and he would uh, keep a lot of them at quarterbacks, but a lot of them would wind up playing safety or corner or possibly wide receiver or running back or tight end. Uh, Coach Bryant would sign those quarterbacks knowing full well that if – They didn't work out a quarterback he could play them somewhere else. And i tell you what's funny, too. And quarterbacks are still, a lot of times, the best athletes. But in those days, Justin, in the 60s and 70s, you might see a high school football team, and your offensive line might be, you know, tackle to tackle might be 175, 180, 165, 190, maybe 200 at one tackle, and then the quarterback might be 6'3 and 210. Seriously. You know, the quarterback might be the biggest guy on the offense. And so it would be funny, (coughs) you know, to see that even at Alabama. A lot of times until, you know, Coach Bryant went bigger uh, with the offensive linemen, but throughout the 60s, the quarterback, whether it was Namath or Stabler or or Trammell or Sloan or (coughs) Hunter, any of those guys, they might be nearly as big as some of their offensive linemen. And uh, so anyway, it's great always talking wishbone with a great Alabama quarterback like uh, Jack O'Rear. We'll also talk about his high school career at Tarrant. He was on one of the best high school teams in the history of the state of Alabama in a memorable state championship game against uh, W.S. Neal out of Bruton, which was led by Calvin Culliver, his future teammate. So we'll go down memory lane there. And, And then at 930... It's the Auburn Report with Brett Pritchard. Plus, we'll get you ready for this big Alabama sports weekend. Softball at home, baseball at home, men's basketball at home, (coughs) pardon me, and women's basketball all at home. And also, um, we've got some sound from Ryan Grubb former Alabama offensive coordinator, although he was only the offensive coordinator for about a month, and I guess technically never was officially named, but he had his Seattle Seahawks press conference yesterday. We've got that. And Tiger Woods shoots one over in the first round of the Genesis Invitational, playing with his good buddy, Justin Thomas, and also Gary Woodland. We've got his flash interview that he did right after the round, that we're going to have that for you. So we got a great show on tap, and uh, we'll be taking your <coughs> phone calls on the First domain Main Condos hotline in this first hour, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in hour number two, two zero 305-342-9904. and I see we've got Corey. Corey, we'll get to you here in the next segment. Right now, though, uh, Justin, I do want to go ahead and hit him up with some uh, some Friday morning headlines here on the Gary Harris Show. Caitlin Clark has become the all time leading scorer in women's basketball. The Iowa sharpshooter now has three thousand five hundred sixty nine career points. Got forty nine of them on Thursday. Against Michigan, so she is just phenomenal. She passes former Washington and current WNBA star Kelsey Plum for the all-time scoring leader. And those forty-nine points that she got against Michigan also set the Hawkeye single-game scoring record. So she did it in style last night. No doubt about that. High school basketball course is cranking up. We know that with uh, the regionals. Heartbreak for Paul Bryan High School yesterday. Second year in a row. They're. Uh, Season ends in the postseason in heartbreaking fashion. McAdory gets a basket and a foul with three-tenths of a second to go in a game. The basket tied it at 46, and then the foul, which I'll be honest with you, I showed it it on TV last night. Just, it wasn't much of a foul, man. I, I, I don't understand these officials sometimes. I mean, if anything, I told Sean Peck, love this, the head coach, when I was texting with him. You know, Bryant's a great defensive team. They played terrible defense there. I mean, they just let him throw it right down into the, the low post, let the guy turn and knock it off the backboard from about four feet. And if anything, I thought the defense was poor. Uh, you know, they didn't touch the guy. I mean, the defender was just standing there with his arms up. But the officials, you know, in their infinite wisdom, blow a whistle, and then the kid knocks down the free throw. McAdory wins. Their fans go crazy. Heartbreak for Paul Bryant, which sees its season come to an end. Uh, McAdory High School also had their girls in the 6A Central regional semifinal. This, these games were in Montgomery, but it was no uh, McAdory win here. Hillcrest Lady Patriots absolutely <coughs> annihilated um, McAdory 51-19. They advanced to next week's regional final with a spot at the state championship semifinals at the Legacy Arena in Birmingham on the line. Tuscaloosa County High School has called a press conference for next Tuesday evening at 6.30 to introduce its new head football coach. I broke the story yesterday after confirming it through numerous sources that uh, pending County Board uh, Board of Education approval, County High is hiring Miles Holcomb from Southside High School in Gadsden. Coach Holcomb has five years experience as a head coach. He was head coach at Crossville in 2016 and 2017 and then was an assistant at Hoover in 2018 and 2019 before being the offensive coordinator at Alpharetta High School in Georgia. In 2020, he then took over at Southside in 2021. He has a career record of 26 and 28, but this past season, eight and two in the regular season, and won the uh, region championship in advance of the Class 6A state playoffs there at Southside. We mentioned Tiger Woods. Um, you know, had an up and down round, but uh, all in all, looked good and uh, strong, and walked those 18 holes. And uh, he and Justin Thomas and Gary Woodland will play again together today in the second round. Also, uh, this note, Stillman College is inducting its second class into its Sports Hall of Fame this morning at a Hall of Fame breakfast. Six more uh, inductees today, including Donald Staffo, who was a longtime uh, professor professor of education and also an award-winning sports writer and author. I've known uh, Dr. Staffo for many years. Congratulations to him for his induction into the Stillman College Sports Hall of Fame. Also, the All-Star break is here in NBA basketball. All-Star game coming up Sunday in Indianapolis. So that's a look at some headlines. The Great Weekend music is coming up. Jack O'Rear at 9.30. And uh, when we come back, we'll take some phone calls out on the First of Main kind Condominiums of Hotline. This is the Gary Harris Show on Time 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. You're home for Alabama sports. Hot!
0: This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9, brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too.
3: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Guthrie's. America's original chicken finger restaurant is now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Thursday's edition of Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, we were joined by Alabama baseball head coach Rob Vaughn as the season starts for the Crimson Tide. The pillars, the thoughts, the beliefs of who we are, but at the same time, really get to know some of these kids. I mean,
4: he, this team, I know that lost a lot from last year's team positionally, but man, we weren't stepping into a, an empty cupboard. There were some really good players here. And, and just as much as I think it's our responsibility to kind of introduce who we are and how we do things. It's also our job to to learn these kids and get to know them, know what makes them tick, learn, learn how they operate and how they learn. And so we spent a lot of time doing that and man, we're, we're ready to go. I think this group's prepared. I think, It's going to be a long season. There are going to be some ups and downs, a lot of that stuff. But, man, I'm ready to go unleash those guys on somebody else tomorrow. I think they're they're chomping at the bit to get going. I'll have more in a moment.
1: Founded in Haleyville, Alabama in 1965 by Hal and Melissa Guthrie, Guthrie's was America's first chicken finger restaurant. Guthrie still uses the family's original southern fried chicken recipe in every chicken finger they serve, fresh, hot, and fast. Guthrie's Golden Fried Chicken Fingers has been Alabama-owned and operated for over 58 years and is still going strong. Come see us soon. Guthrie's, America's original chicken finger restaurant and now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com.
3: Join us tomorrow for Crimson Tide men's basketball against Texas A&M. Our radio coverage across the network will start at 10 a.m. Followed by the tip off at 11 a.m. And don't forget the courts. Quartz- Double base with select ceiling mattresses. See a lower price? We'll match it. The right mattress
0: matters. We'll find yours. Restrictions apply. See store or website for details. Tide
1: 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Another spring like day today with a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 69. Becoming cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered rain showers and turning colder after midnight, the low 36. Tomorrow, cold and breezy, the sky mostly cloudy, the high 40. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
5: You
0: see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9.
2: Jimmy Hall and Wet Willie. Classic Weekend. Getting us back into the show, 919. And we're going to jump out on the first and main condominium's hotline at 205-342-9904. And that's where we find our friend Corey this morning. Good morning, Corey. You're leading us off.
6: Good morning, Gary. How you doing? This morning? I'm hanging
2: in there, my friend.
6: Well, that's great. I'm glad you're feeling better. Um I'm ready for this tournament. Um, I know it starts a little bit later, but uh, I'm excited to see if Alabama puts a full. We'll put a full weekend together and interest uh, see what the lineups are. And uh, it's 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 not about the opponent. It's about Alabama, and it's a lot like when Alabama in football faces FCS teams in a way or smaller teams. It's about it's about them. It's a faceless opponent, and just go out there and taking care of business. I mean, because. All you can do is look. The worst thing that can happen is you look bad and drop these games, and it just it it, it makes you look bad. And so, uh, that, that's that. All you gotta do is just go out there and just do what you do, and uh, that's that's all. do need to do. Don't need to screw around and make the games close. I mean, I'm not saying you have to run through everybody. I'm just saying you go out there and put on a good show and. Uh, um, uh, and uh, that's what I'm
2: looking for. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. I just to be strong throughout the, the weekend. I think they will be. I think they're going 5-0. and oh. St. Thomas today at 4 o'clock. They've got Virginia uh, following that game at 6.30. Then tomorrow morning at 11 a.m., they've got St. Thomas again. And then they've got Virginia again tomorrow at 1.30. Then on Sunday... At one o'clock they play southern Indiana and I'm with you Corey I think if they if they um, play Alabama softball the way they played last weekend they're gonna go five and0 in this tournament and be 10 and0 on the season that's what I'm expecting I
6: don't know how much you follow the high school softball but um,
2: the, the do you follow the high school softball? I do. Any- yeah, what, more more once they get into the season. But yeah, we we I keep up with it some. I'm not an expert on it by any means. What 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 do you want to? I know you know your program. Hewitt Trustful is a great program. What uh, what do you want to talk about with high school softball? Do you think they?
6: Do you think? the main
2: contenders are the main contenders in yeah pretty America. pretty pretty much that seems to be the case there have been some programs uh within the state that have established themselves as the top programs and i would think that would be the case again and you know we've got some good programs right here in west alabama Northside high school's got a a great uh, softball program you know and a big part of course i love high school softball but a big part of the softball too is you know is the travel ball so a lot of these girls that uh play against each other in high school, play together on travel ball teams, the top ones. So they're very familiar with each other and it's uh but high school softball has has just like the whole sport has grown grown leaps and bounds. And I know once we get into the season, we cover it on T V. We cover high school softball just like we do high school baseball.
6: County High is very good in my opinion. Yeah. Hewitt he, he had to walk off County High last night. But County High usually gives Hewitt fits. and uh um, So that was a good game, think, huh? Yeah, uh, uh, I, was, yeah, uh, Hewitt, I mean, uh, County High, uh, took the lead one nothing, then they led three to one, and then Hewitt walked off in the seven, four to three. But, uh, I think there's a, uh, if Hewitt wins the title again, it'll be, uh, four out of the last five years. Wow. And here's the, and here's the thing I would not be surprised if Taylor Burke one day leaves for a another place. Or, or a college coaching job because of course you know when you're when you're good you're warranted and she is very 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 good
2: yeah one of the best in the state and you're right i wouldn't be surprised if at some point she gets a call from a from a college or university about uh, you know gauging her interest for that job wouldn't surprise me wouldn't surprise me at all
6: um for for um you know someone said on the I think her coach, Caitlin Clark's coach, on the news said something about that she's 100 points away from the the men's all-time record, and the fact she scored 49 points last night. There's four regular season games plus the tournament. There's a legitimate shot she could break the men's all-time scoring record.
2: Wow, how impressive would that be?
6: And that is set by Pistol
2: Pete Mirovich, right? I'd have to look it up for, for sure, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, he only played three years, but probably, uh, let me see real quick. I mean, he only played three years with no three point shot, but he still averaged 40 something points a game for three years. Uh, let me look it up, but he probably is. But yeah, I don't know. I, you know. That, that's incredible. I mean, just. Well, had, had Mirovich <laughs> had a three point shot and played four years, he would have had. Uh, um, so many points, Caitlin Cart would never sniff him, but um, and there was no shot
6: clock either.
2: Yeah, he uh, he scored three thousand six hundred sixty seven points. So yeah, she's closing in on um, on breaking his record too. Uh, but again, I, I you know, and I I might put an asterisk by it. Uh, of course, he played for his dad, Press, who let him you know score all the points too. Press Maravich did, but Pete Maravich with a three point shot a shot clock and four years of college basketball, or even with three, uh, he would have scored so many points. I don't know that anybody would ever come close, but you know what? If she gets the record, she gets the record. Um, you know, I'll tip her, tip my hat to her, but let's be honest. Um, again, you're talking about, he averaged 44.2 points per game for his career. Uh, you know, just, just let that marinate for a minute. 44.2 points per game for his career. And, uh, and the reason I, Said I wanted to check it was just to make sure I knew he was the all-time leading scorer, but I wanted to get it and put it into some context. Um, again, three thousand six hundred sixty-seven points in three years with no shot clock and no three-point shot, and just about all those jump shots that he took were well, many of them were three-pointers. I mean, it just would have been um, it would have been phenomenal. How many points? I mean, again, I can't get over this. You know, sophomore he averaged forty three point eight, junior forty four point two, senior forty four point five. So
6: he probably would he probably would have had five thousand or six thousand points if he would have had if he would have
2: had the three point shot. Um uh, yeah, he'd have gotten to five thousand for sure. He'd have gotten a 5,000 for sure, buddy. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. So, but listen, she's a great scorer and she deserves all the accolades that she's getting. But to me, really, it is apples and oranges when you're talking about the rules today versus the rules that Pete played under. Uh, So I want to keep that, keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, she's closing in on him. And uh, how many, how close did you say she was to getting him? I think,
6: I I think someone said a hundred.
2: Okay. Well, she'll get it in about three games then probably.
6: Uh, And that, that, and like I said, four games in the regular season. So that's incredible. Um, But uh, as far as Alabama for basketball, I do think they win, and but it's it's not going to be easy. Like you've been mentioning all week, Buzz Williams has owned Nate Oates, and I think this is the chance to put his Nate Oates stamp on that that narrative because uh, Wade Taylor has been a problem for Alabama.
2: Sure Um, has.
6: But I think this is a good team Alabama can defend because Wade Taylor is not impossible to stop. I mean, yeah, he's tough to deal with, but he's not unguardable. I mean, you just got to – if Alabama can – because here's the thing. ninety, I would say 95% of teams don't have teams that can just score and keep up with Alabama. Now, if Alabama keeps turning the ball over like they did at Tennessee, then, yeah, that's how you lose your way out of a game. But if Alabama just keeps scoring and making free throws, A&M's not going to be able to get into a shooting match with Alabama. But as long as the the referees let us play and not keep blowing their whistle, then, yeah, Alabama can win. But if Alabama takes care of the basketball, uh, makes their free throws, and and, uh, doesn't turn the ball over, then, yeah, I think Alabama can win this game and kind of win this game convincingly because I don't think A&M can get into a shooting match with with
2: Alabama, I hear you. Good, uh, good uh, synopsis and analysis as always, Corey. Have a great weekend, my friend.
6: Thank you too, Gary. Virtual interviews, all from your employer
1: dashboard. Visit Indeed.com/credit and get seventy-five dollars towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans.
7: Sale! Target's four-day sale.
6: Ah, the four-day sale. Count me in for sure. Don't miss Target's four-day sale. Ends Monday. Restrictions apply. See Target.com for details.
2: As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the Free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 Special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a Meat and 3 Vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the Free. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timberson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with Build Your Own, Bloody Marys, and Mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after hours living at First and Main. Visit firstandmaincondos.com or call 205-657-7465. Mention you heard about us on the radio and receive one month free rent. Where the
0: season never ends, this is your home of Alabama Sports. Tide 129. It's screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. And we're going to jump out on the first main of Maine Condominiums hotline and welcome in a uh, great wishbone quarterback from the 1970s for the Alabama Crimson Tide, also at Terran High School, played in a legendary state championship game, his brother John, a uh, running back who's an incredible uh, athlete as well, and went on to play in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Jack O'Rear is with us this morning talk some uh, Bama football and more. Good morning, Jack. How are you doing?
4: Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you for
2: having me. Absolutely, glad to have you on. I, I ran into you at a golf tournament uh, for Baseball Country, and and wanted to get you on the program and and uh, a lot of uh, fond memories that I want to discuss with you. Let's start before we get to your Alabama days, because everybody thinks of great high school football games, and, and of course, in the '70s, they think of uh, Banks and Woodlawn and and um, some of the Mountain Brook state championship. Games with uh, Major Ogilvy. but one of the great state right. championship games was 1971 Class 3A battle between Tarrant and W.S. Neal, uh, the O'Rear brothers on one side for Tarrant, and then of course the great Calvin Culliver. Um, had I know he lit you guys up pretty good in that game. Uh both teams were undefeated coming in at twelve and oh, but uh Tarrant got the win to go to thirteen and oh, thirty four to twenty over Culliver and WS Neal. I know that was a long time ago, Jack, but you you gotta have some fond memories from that football game.
4: Yeah, it was it was a first of all, it was a great football game. Uh they took the lead late uh somewhere early in the fourth quarter and uh we Fortunately, we got the ball and we were able to score uh, two touchdowns quickly and got ahead. And uh, pretty much that was the end of the game. Uh, Calvin was pretty much uh, kind of bungled up for the most of the night, but he got one. <laughs> there was a long one in that
2: fourth quarter, didn't he, Jack?
4: Yeah. He had like a 65 yarder. And once he turned the corner, well, nobody on our team going to catch him. <laughs> he was something else.
2: Yeah, and later he became your teammate. Um, That's correct. Let me ask you about John, because I I talked to a couple of your former teammates from the 70s, and they said Jack was a good athlete, but I'll tell you, John was a better athlete. Uh, I know he came to Alabama to play football. Both of you did. How did he wind up making the decision to go go pro baseball?
4: Well, he actually never signed with
2: Alabama. Oh, he didn't? Uh, Okay.
4: No, he didn't. He He went ahead and signed baseball. Okay. Okay, he was going to go to the University of Alabama, but he didn't sign. He wanted to wait till the draft to see what happened, and then I think he ended up being the thirty-first uh, or thirty-second player taken. Uh, uh, it was the, he was the second player taken in the second round. So uh, they, he decided. Uh, yeah, that was you know, good
2: money did. even back then by by those day standards, yeah. wasn't it?
4: Yeah, but he was he he, he was going to make more money than we were making, so. Uh, it was, so he decided that the best bet for him would be, uh, baseball, but he did end up playing college one year at the uh, university of Kansas. Did he really? Uh, yeah. When bud Moore was the, yeah, uh, uh bud. Bud recruited myself and, uh, Johnny. And, uh, when he became head coach out at Kansas, he got in touch with Johnny. And that was the time when they decided that if you played professionally, one sport, you could play amateur and another That's right. so he was mm-hmm. allowed to play football. So he went out there as a, a a punter and a safety. So uh he played one year out there and that was the year they upset Oklahoma. So he has that lasting memory forever and he got to play Tony Dorset in the Sun Bowl, I think it was.
2: That's right, because Kansas was a good team that time. I think uh, he might have played, did he play with Nolan Cromwell? The great, yeah. uh, was a quarterback, but right. then played safety with the Raiders. Yeah, yeah that, that was, some, you're right, Bud Moore was a good football coach. I'm glad you mentioned him. Yeah, he was. Um, for you, um, growing up in Tarrant, being a great high school football player, the experience of being recruited by Coach Bryant, um, what, what was that like? Well,
4: unfortunately, I've never really met Coach Bryant.
2: Really, not not at all during the recruiting process.
4: Yeah, I met him once, but that was when Johnny was being recruited, right? And we met him. It's a kind of a funny story. We met him down in the old day club room at uh, underneath the Coliseum uh, down there at Alabama, and we're in there, and my mother's with us, and it's me, Johnny, and my mother, and we're, you know standing around with a bunch of other recruits and everything else. And then Coach Bryant walks over to us. And my mother is in a state of shock. <laughs> She's just looking at him and it's like, and she says, I feel like I'm talking to a legend. And he just walked off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he knew, he knew who, who he was and, and, and his standing. That's something. Just, just, just walked over and, and uh, made his appearance. Who was your primary Maybe. recruiter, Jack? Bud Moore. Oh, Bud was your recruiter too. Okay, okay, yeah, that right. Might. He was a dynamic football coach, wasn't he?
4: Yes, he was. He was uh, uh, very knowledgeable of the wishbone. He and uh, Mal Moore, mm-hmm. uh, who ended up being uh, basically, when Bud left after my freshman year, uh, Coach Moore became the uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, and so it was uh, uh, those two together plus Jimmy Sharp uh, made a pretty
2: good trio of coaches that knew what they were doing. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's talk about your career. So you signed with Alabama and you signed in a time. And I was talking about this earlier on the show in sixties and seventies, <coughs> coach Bryant might sign 10 or 12 quarterbacks in a class, knowing that oftentimes the quarterbacks were the best athletes on the team. And that if it didn't work out at quarterback could play him at wide receiver, could play him at tight end, could play him at safety corner running back. Um, do you remember how many quarterbacks you came in with or how many quarterbacks were on the roster when you got here as a freshman?
4: Well, as a freshman, uh, we had, uh, I, I think, uh, another player from Tarrant, Raymond Bolden. He was a quarterback that was already there, but he had been moved to safety. You had Richard Todd. You had Gary Rutley, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Fraley, myself, Les Fowler. Pete Cabin at that time was still trying to quarterback. Uh so there was five or six, seven of us that were vying for it. The fortunate thing for me, everybody got hurt. Bradley went down, missed the entire year. Uh, Les Fowler got hurt. Pete, uh, they moved to uh, tailback. So basically, that left three quarterbacks that were able to play at that point in time. So I got pushed up to the varsity.
2: You sure did. You played some,
4: and so and played
2: in six games that year as a freshman. And had a couple touchdowns. <clears throat> yeah, that
4: was just I was just out
2: there. Yeah, but still. I, I mean to be I didn't the, know what I, I
4: didn't know what I was doing,
2: believe me. To be playing as a freshman <laughs> at Alabama quarterback, that again, injuries are not that that's impressive. I want to go move up into 1974 though because and we're going to talk about a couple memorable games in your career. Probably the first was 74 against Florida State. Let's just be honest. Uh, Florida State was awful. And and Alabama, I don't know what you guys were, were ranked. I know you were ranked in the top three at the time. And uh, you play this Florida State team in Tuscaloosa, and they're about to beat you. Uh, they're about to knock off. I don't know how many games in a row they had lost, but it, it, it's a lot. And they get an early touchdown, and they're leading that ball game in the fourth quarter. You're in at quarterback down 7-5 to five in the game, and you lead him down, and I think Bucky Berry kicked a short field goal, a fairly short field goal to win the game. Tell us about that drive, the pressure, not only to keep the winning streak at Brian Denny alive, but to not lose to a team that was on a long losing streak, and you've got a perfect season at stake. Well,
4: that was one of those things as well where uh, all the quarterbacks, but two at that point in time, there was Robert Fraley and myself. Freely was known as a passer. I was known as the runner. So when we when we get the safety late in the game and they kick off, I fully expect them to send in Freely to throw something. And Coach Bryant throws me out there, and we run a little the, the little pass, and we throw it to Ozzy. Uh, by the way, that was Ozzy's first catch. So I claim that all of his success was because <laughs> of me. Uh, but for a thirty-six yard. Uh, to get down to about like the 18-yard line. Well, we lost a couple of yards on the play, on, on the next three plays. Back to the 21, they send Bucky out, and he kicks the field goal, and we win the game eight to seven. But it was truly an embarrassing day for uh, Alabama football.
2: But you got the win, <laughs> and that led, to you, win. that led you to an undefeated season. Of course, unfortunately, uh, dropped that, uh, that Orange Bowl game to, uh, to Notre Dame. Let me ask you Notre about Dame. about that, because in 73 and 74, um, I think Alabama had the best team in the country both those years and uh, you know couldn't finish Very it off. Cool. They did win the UPI National Championship in 73 because they played before the bowl game. But, Jack, to be a part of two teams like that, that were really dominant football teams for two years running, and not only not to win the national championship on the AP side, but to lose to Notre Dame back-to-back, one year by one point in the Sugar Bowl and then by two points in the Orange Bowl, I, I bet that still leaves a bitter taste in your mouth to this day.
4: Oh, it does. And I, I, I ran into a Notre Dame football player on the airplane because he had a big ring on and I was, and we got to talking about it. And it was one of those things where they were, we were both two good teams. Yeah. Okay. No doubt about it. They had a great team. We had a great team. Uh, between seventy three and our seventy seven teams, I think those two were the best teams uh, that w- when I was here that we played. Uh, and uh, seventy three, we did get the national championship. Seventy seven, we should have. Uh, and again, Notre Dame beat us out. So. <laughs> but uh, you know, to be around such—I mean, there were some great football players here, but they were even better people. So it was—it was such it was such a great thing uh, to be a part of that, and to go through it, and and the lasting memories that we have from that is just outstanding.
2: 76 was your best season. Statistically, you rushed for 467 yards and six touchdowns. Um, and and there was a memorable game that season. And that turned out to be a season where Alabama lost three games. But you go to Tennessee... Um, and I pulled up some pictures from that, but I remember that game was on TV, and I remember it was, I think it was cloudy cloudy and overcast, might have even been a little rain, and again, quarterbacks are going down, Jeff Frontledge goes down, and that was your, that turned out to be your game uh, against Tennessee, and we know how big that game is, but you had a great game statistically uh, in that game. I know you rushed it. Um, I'm trying to find the stats in that game. Jack, I had them, but I know you rushed for over 100, well over 100 yards in that game. And I remember watching on TV, Tennessee had a hard time tackling you that day. I mean, you, that, that was just, yeah, here it is, 119 yards on 10 carries, and you let Alabama to a huge road win over the ball. So um, take us back down memory lane on that game.
4: Well, you know, we uh, we had planned the entire week, of course, to play two quarterbacks, uh, myself and Jeff. And uh, when Jeff went in, he threw an interception and somebody, excuse me, hit him on the sidelines over there blocking him. And he hurt his shoulder. Well, he, he was done. So we ran 82 offensive plays that day. I was in for 80 of them. So it was a, it was one of the best games, well, probably the best game that I ever had
6: mm-hmm.
4: uh, at the university. And it was just one of those things where we had a 19 play drive where we didn't scope.
2: Holy cow. Was it a, f- was it a fumble at the end or downs or <laughs> what happened? Down not down okay. the one
4: yard line. And, uh, uh, so that was one of those deals where, uh, we had a couple of penalties during the drive. So it, we had to make up that yardage. So, uh, you know, I think in the in the in the books it's like an eighty-eight yard drive, but we probably did hundred fifteen <laughs> yards worth of, of uh, uh, actually moving yardage sticks. So, yeah, it was it was just a great game. You know, I, I remember that our uh, safety Mike Kramer had a broken left hand, and he rushed in and blocked the front with his right hand. I'll oh, so and gave us the ball down there, and I I think we scored on that one. So. But uh, overall, uh, it was a great day for uh, us. It was a uh, great day for me. I ended up being the Chevrolet player in the game. So, uh, But, yeah, it was fantastic. One of the great memories out of that, if we have time, is that late, I ran around a little bit and got knocked down, and I fumbled. But I was able to get the ball back, and one of my offensive linemen, Lou Green, says, why don't you call timeout because you don't look too good. And <laughs> to be honest, with so I went over to the sideline, and coach Bryant said, get him something to drink and everything else. Coach Moore's trying to get to me and he they won't allow me. Uh, coach Bryant won't allow coach Moore to get to me to, to, about anything. And so he sends me back out there uh, during the full so I thought he was going to shoot me out for so calling timeout. We're trying to run the clock out, but uh, he didn't, he didn't say anything at the end. He just said, go ahead. Just keep doing what you're doing. At the time, I was calling my own plays. So it was, you know, we didn't run but maybe three or four. Times I was going to say you didn't game. have too
2: many to call on that wishbone, <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah,
4: we didn't. And it hey, was, the it main, just,
2: main thing you called that day was option. to tear keeper, uh, uh, Jack uh, uh, O'Rear from Terran, Alabama Keeper on that day. Cause you,
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Tennessee had the uh, – uh, they always wanted the quarterbacks to beat Meet beat them
2: so they were taking okay. away the pitch
4: they took away the pitch so they wouldn't let it with it so in in my wisdom i was thinking okay let me get somebody on the end so i don't have that quick hard coming down from the uh, uh defensive end so i always had somebody blocking him so at least i was to the corner and then we could make the decision well they would always take the pitch man and i would just turn up and start
2: running well, it worked out great. The satisfaction for Coach Bryant, we know how special the Tennessee game was because, you know, Coach Bryant couldn't beat General Nealon when he was at Kentucky. And, and of course, you had Bill Battle, uh, you know, who played for Coach Bryant on the other sideline. And you're in Knoxville, and you got Coach Goosetree and Coach Donahue on your team who played at Tennessee. Uh, the satisfaction in winning that game, could you— could you, after the game or even before the game when you're getting ready, when you play Tennessee, sense anything different from Coach Bryant for that game as opposed maybe to some other games?
4: Uh, not really. I mean, I, I, I think we worked as hard as anybody did for those games. But I don't uh, – you know, there was – I think it was just everybody knew that it was a special game. Mm-hmm. I don't think Coach Bryant did anything different. Uh, he was more so to get upset when we were playing people like Louisville – or SMU or something right. like that, uh, you know, he would be harder on us then. But for the Tennessee game, uh, it was just status quo. And but everybody knew what it what it meant. Yeah, you didn't want to lose to them at all. And fortunately for our, you our never group, did. <laughs> we never lost to Tennessee, Auburn, LSU. The only two the only two teams we got beat by were Georgia and Ole Miss. Uh, as far as the conference was concerned.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, old miss, that was a down in Jackson, ten to seven I think it was. It was a
4: Yeah, ten ooh. to seven and, and, and Jeff and I uh Calls that one. He, I think, he threw three interceptions and I fumbled three
2: times. So <laughs> yeah, they had problem. to have a, they had to have a little help if they were going to beat you. But uh, <laughs> of course, that Georgia team in '76. I'm glad you brought that up because we mentioned the three losses in '76. But um, give Georgia their, their due. That was uh, they they shut out Alabama over there in Athens, 21 to nothing. That was a really good Georgia football team, wasn't it? It, it
4: was, and and uh, we were just starting to try to get to a good team. We were not a good team. And at halftime, the score was seven to nothing. Uh, Georgia. And we had missed an opportunity just before half there. uh, I can't remember the guy's quarterback for Georgia, but he threw a pass out into the flat. And Mike Tucker, the captain of the 77 team, stepped in front of it. He's got nothing but green grass for 80 yards. And he dropped it. And instead of it being seven to nothing Alabama at half, it was seven to nothing Georgia. Mm. But we thought we had an opportunity. But
2: in the second half, they beat us like a bass drum. Yeah, yeah, they did. Art Russell's uh, Junkyard Dogs. Um, but, and then of course the Heartbreaker at, at Notre Dame later that year. But anyway, we got to start wrapping up. I just want to ask you about uh, just the experience of, of playing for Coach Bryant. And um, I mean, He's been gone now since 1983, and um, there's still quite a few guys that, that, that played for him, obviously, but but the numbers are beginning to dwindle from some of those you know, early teams that he had at right. Alabama in the early 60s. But the experience of playing for, you know, and I know Coach Saban's been marvelous, and I'll ask you about him before we close it out, but what was that like to know that you're playing, you're playing for the Bear, man? You, you played for Bear yeah. Bryant. Yeah, it's, uh, you
4: know, while you're there, you don't look at it that way. right? You look at it from the standpoint he is the coach. And the great thing for me was I had a great relationship with Coach Bryant. Uh, we were able, to, you know, I, I used to go up and talk to Coach Bryant all the time. Uh, and it just for a few minutes, I wouldn't go in there and spend 30 minutes, but go in there and spend five minutes with him, asking him how his kids were, whatever it was, uh, anything but football. And we had a great relationship and, and, now, when you look back on it, you go, man, oh, man, we played for Coach Bryant." And, you know, there's a lot of people in this country that would have loved to have played for Coach Bryant, And we had the great opportunity to do so.
2: Wow. And just real quickly, we're getting short of time. Um, we're coming off another dynasty with coach Saban. It's remarkable that you and I have lived in a time and you played for coach Bryant to see two of the greatest dynasties in history, of college football at the same school. Uh, and now they got to try to follow up coach Saban, maybe 30 seconds or so, Jack, what did you take away from watching what he was able to do here in the modern era at Alabama?
4: Well, I, you know, he did just a tremendous job and, and there really is no difference between coach Saban and coach Bryant. Coach Saban talks about the process. Well, Coach Bryant talked about expect the unexpected, uh, always be prepared. It's the same thing. They were cut from the same mold. Uh, he worked us as hard as anybody Coach Bryant did. And Coach Saban, when you listen to the former players that talk to him, he says it's like an NFL boot camp. I mean, so he worked them like Coach Bryant worked to us. And to be honest, we, he did such a great job, uh, especially in this day and time yeah. with, uh, with the athletes and everything else. And uh, I don't think, you know, we talk. everybody talks about how great a coach Coach Bowden was, and he was at, at Florida State. And the record that he had for that, that period of time, but Coach Saban shattered that when you take a look at the top fives and the, and the national championships that he won in, in, what, 17 years, he won six of them. So it's just amazing.
2: Yeah, it is. All right, uh, real quickly, tell us what you're doing now. I remember, I'm retired. So, you're, but you're living here in West Alabama, right?
4: I am in Northport. I live out here with my uh, uh, wife of uh, almost 48 years. And so uh, we love it back here. Our grandkids are here. We, I have four uh, granddaughters, and they are just fantastic. So we get to go watch them now. They're ages 13 to six. So we get to go watch them uh, do their sports things down. It's fantastic.
2: Oh, that's great. Because I know you lived in the Tampa area for many years, didn't you?
4: For 43 years, I was in Tampa. When I yeah. graduated from school up here in 1978, we uh, moved down to uh, uh, Tampa and we stayed there for year, uh, 43 years. Uh, I have some great friends that still live there. But I'm uh, so glad to be up
2: here. Well, we're glad to have you back, man. And I appreciate the time. I love going down memory lane from some of these '70s, '60s, and '70s teams. And real quickly, was that quarterback Matt Robinson at Georgia? Uh, I think it was. Was
4: Matt Robinson or? I, won't, I I keep thinking it was great golf. You think, well, both of them Robert.
2: played. I, yeah. I, it could have been either one, yeah, because I, I think they split quarterback duties on that team. I, I was thinking it was I Robinson threw the interception, but it might have been golf, but I think both those guys played for him that year. Well, anyway, great stuff, man, and thank you for the time, and uh, we'll do it again.
4: Thank you very much.
2: All right, Jack O'Rear, great Alabama quarterback. All right, we'll get to the break, come back and wrap up this first hour right after this. Coming
0: up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler.
2: Coming up on the Friday edition of The Game, presented by Brian Harden Construction. Free for all Friday. We're going to take your phone calls. Brent Beard's going to be a part of our program. We will feature the athletic director at the University of Alabama, Greg Burns, starting at 2 p.m. right here on The Game on Tide 100.9, 1230. WTBC, your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest running sports program. Hard West. Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. To see our complete donut, coffee, and espresso menu, visit our website at KrispyKremeTuscaloosa.com. Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. To Roscoe's features daily happy
3: hour. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to discover. Eligibility in terms of discover.com/slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.
1: Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Another spring-like day today with a mixture of clouds and sunshine. The high 69. Becoming cloudy tonight. The chance of a few scattered rain showers and turning colder after midnight. The low 36. Tomorrow cold and breezy. The sky mostly cloudy. The high 47. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: You're listening to the Gary Harris Show. Oh my! for Alabama sports Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app
2: Alright, 9.58 Friday I'm in love going to wrap up this first hour it's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union another great hour on the way the Auburn Report with Brett Pritchett at 10.30 we'll hear from Tiger Woods Uh, Following his first round at the Genesis Invitational. Also, uh, Ryan Grubb, Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator, briefly was in line to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He had his uh, introductory press conference there at uh, Seattle Seahawks Complex on Thursday. Also, more of your phone calls and more great weekend music. Hour number two, the Gary Harris Show is coming up. Come discover better living at First and Main. Visit firstandmaincondos.com or call 205-657-7465. Mention you heard about us on the radio and receive one month free rent.
1: 365, 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're
8: making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe too. Alabama's Move Over
1: Law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow
2: down.
8: Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station.
2: Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's. Good food, good friends, and good time. Are
7: you
6: receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for DTY accessibility.
0: WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope.
1: History made in Iowa City on Thursday night as Caitlin Clark becomes the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. And she did so while dropping a career-high 49 points, which also set a single-game Iowa program record. Hawkeyes went on to beat Michigan by 17. In the NBA, Clay Thompson came off the bench for the Warriors for the first time since his rookie year in 2012. He scored 35, and Golden State held on for a 140 to 137 win over the Jazz. The Bucks continue to struggle, falling to the Grizzlies 113 to 110. Milwaukee is now three and seven this season with Doc Rivers as head coach. And the Timberwolves blew out the Blazers 128 to 91. Minnesota leads the West at the All-Star break with a 30. 39 and 16 record. Now,
0: this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom.
1: The Alabama Senate expected to begin debate next week on the proposal by Governor Ivey to allow voters to decide if Alabama should have casinos, sports betting, and a statewide lottery. The legislation passed the House yesterday. Just released figures from the NCAA revealed Alabama outspent and out-earned Auburn. But Bama Athletics had to make up for deficit spending through gifts and donations. Tuscaloosa Hotel occupants was down just under 4% during the month of December, which is not unusual. Despite that, revenues were up
6: for the year.
0: Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show, see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour
2: number two, the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM at 1230 AM WTBC. Gary here is Justin Jones with you. I want to thank Jack O'Rear for a terrific interview going down memory lane. And um, also, this second hour, we've got um, Brett Pritchard with the Auburn Report coming up at 10.30. This hour of the program being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Clients and prospective clients are treated with respect and care. If you've... Um, Got a legal issue that's a result of a automobile accident, personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, 18-wheeler accident. Our business at Patterson Comers is to take care of your needs. And remember, we work on contingency. There's never a dime out of your pocket unless they take your case and they collect for you. There's no risk involved. And you'll deal with two top-notch attorneys that are right here in West Alabama, not uh, off in Atlanta or or somewhere else where you never even meet your attorney. Paul Patterson's in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. And uh, Mike Comer's in Northport at 205-759-3939. Patterson Comer Law Firm, the commitment to serve our clients, does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com.
4: No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers.
2: All right, um, <clears throat> some news on AJ McCarron, and it's positive news. AJ asked to be released by the Bengals. You know he signed with Cincinnati on their practice squad back in September. He got moved up to the active roster, but he was you know a backup. And uh, collected those paychecks. Now those are strong paychecks in the NFL. But last year, he was the MVP. Now help me out here because the two leagues have formed. He was XFL last year, right? XFL. Yeah. You yes. had the USFL and the XFL, and AJ McCarron was the XFL MVP for the St. Louis BattleHawks. Now the XFL and the USFL have combined, and they call it
3: the UFL. Is that right, Justin? Yeah, that's right, Gary. The the UFL, the United Football, football League.
2: League. Well, AJ said last year it's the funnest year he had in football since he'd been in Alabama. Was his boys old enough to be around him, and he was not, not just on a roster, <clears throat> but he was playing as the star quarterback. He enjoys that. So he asked to be released by the Bengals. They... Allowed him to be released, and now he's going back to the St. Louis Battle Hawks, where he's got a chance to repeat as MVP in the new UFL, United Football League, which combines, of course, the USFL, which are Birmingham Stallions, back to back USFL champions, and the XFL. And uh, so it should be fun to have the one league. I think spring football this time <coughs> has found its niche. Now that these two leagues are combined, they're even stronger. I know, you know, Birmingham has uh, supported the Stallions. And, of course, they got that great, beautiful stadium to play in. So looking forward to that and, and, and happy for A.J. I really still wonder what would have happened if he'd got an opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL because I see some of these guys that have had opportunities and I don't think they're as good as A.J. McCarron. Having said that, You know, he's been around a long time. You think that if he was viewed as a starting quarterback, somebody would have given him a shot. I thought for sure when he signed with the Bills, that was what they had signed him for to kind of be the starter to get Josh Allen ready. And that didn't work out. He's kicked around with a lot of different teams, but still made a lot of money. And as an XFL player last year, was absolutely phenomenal. And that got him you know, an opportunity to go back with the Bengals. But I was hoping after that XFL performance, Justin, quite frankly, that an NFL team would sign him and bring him into training camp with an opportunity possibly to compete for a starting position. It didn't happen.
3: No, I think you're right, Gary. I think it's circumstance, the way he was drafted behind uh, Andy Dalton with the Bengals. Right, Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton was the guy. But when Dalton got
2: hurt, I want to say this was back in, let me think, I want to say this was back in 2015 and A.J. took over and had – the Bengals hadn't won a playoff game in forever. And they had the Steelers beat. And A.J. was going to be the winning quarterback in a playoff game as a starter. And that was the game where – who was the linebacker? Perfect. Yeah, from West Virginia, played for the Bengals. And, and they had a safety, too. uh, uh you remember him, Jones, Pac-Man. Yeah, Patman Pat- Jones. Yeah, Pat um, I think Patman Jones was the one that was from West Virginia. Perfect, I might have played. I don't know where he played college ball. It might have been Arizona State or somewhere. But they just had two terrible penalties in that game—defensive penalties, personal fouls—that allowed the Steelers to to win the game at the end. And after that, AJ never really got a shot. But he's uh, he's a star in the spring league, and uh, looking forward to watching him this spring. Let's jump out on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Cowboy. Good morning, Cowboy. Cowboy
4: with uh,
8: O'Rear. Let me tell you a story. Sure. Uh, if, you think I'm a, if you think I'm a football fan, my father was more extreme than me to a certain extent. He loved to go to high school football games, and I was a little kid. And um, Tarrant, back in the day, played Barry where I went later down. But um, And the O'Rear brothers were playing for Tarrant. They played Barry and They were a heck of a football game. They beat him a couple times. And uh, we drove out to Tarrant and watched the O'Rear brothers play against some playoff game. And man, were they good. And, and John O'Rear, he was the best of the brothers at running at, at quarterback. Yeah, that's what in the what, baseball deal.
2: Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah.
8: And Jack O'Rear might have been Coach Bryant's best wishbone quarterback ever if he wouldn't have got hurt so much.
2: Yeah. Oh, he could run it. You're right, man. You're you're right. And I, I didn't even ask him about 75. I should have. Uh, you know, he really kind of missed the whole season there. But uh, you're right. When he was healthy, man, he could turn that thing up. And, you know, Jack, Jack's big. You well, know, uh, you know, well, of course, a lot of those quarterbacks were good, bro I'm going to say Jack's probably, what was he, 6'2", or or is 6'2", had probably played at about 6'2", and probably around 210 or 215, I bet you, don't you think, Cowboy? Yeah. He was a big quarterback.
8: Yeah, he was number 15, yep, right? Yeah,
2: 15, 15, Jack yeah, was 15. I, I can
8: still see him kind of running that option, gimpy-legged a little bit mm-hmm. after he got hurt, but, man, he was good. Oh,
2: well, I'm glad boy. you enjoy that. I asked Justin during the break, because I know people in our age range love <laughs> talking about the, the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and I asked him, I said, you know, he's 24 or 5 or whatever he is, and I was like, do you – you know, do you enjoy those interviews? He said, "Yeah, I kind of enjoy them because it, it takes me back to a time that, you know, I I don't I'm not familiar with, but I've heard about it as an Alabama fan, you know, the 70s with Coach Bryant. Yeah. But I'm never going to I'm never uh, going to stop talking about Coach Bryant on this show, Cowboy. You know that. And that's nothing against Coach oh, Saban. or
8: keep talking, man. Talking what anybody else does, but
2: if you weren't alive you, you you don't know the differences and Coach Saban, what he did's phenomenal. <clears throat> but the seventies were different, man. It's just like Jack said, you know, getting to go up there to Tennessee in seventy six and be the Chevrolet player of the game. Remember that, man? The Chevrolet player of the game. That was a big deal. Oh yeah.
8: Oh goodness
2: gracious. The and you had maybe you had maybe two games on TV Bill a week, Fleming. Max. And hey, and you remember getting up on Sunday morning and watching the highlight show with Bill Fleming? Oh, was awesome. For Bill Fleming. Bill Fleming would Bill Fleming
8: used to have those great pack, twi- pack, pack of eight highlights. Back in yeah. 80. Well, you know,
2: the thing I remember about you know being growing up during the seventies, and you're, you and I are about the same age. Is again, <clears throat> you were star for college football. So when Alabama was on TV. It was a huge deal. And when they weren't, you were glued to the radio, you know, listening to John Forney. But um, you didn't get to see many games. You you, you, you watched that Prudential College scoreboard after the ABC game on Saturdays like a hawk, man. Not only because, you know, I was, in, you know, like you, I was just filled up with college football. I love getting those Ivy League scores. Remember Dave Dial would give those Ivy League scores. They'd have that little oh, yeah. board up there. Hey. <laughs> hey, Jerry, I go
8: back to Tom York and Rosemary or – uh, coming back from Tuscaloosa on WAPI listening to the scores and they always had some guy call in and wants a slippery rock score. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Leonard post-tosis, all that stuff. Oh just, man. Just a, I'm, just I'm showing a,
2: my age, a yeah. special time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> and Leonard's losers. <laughs> I know they've tried to bring it back, but it'll never, never be the same. And folks, uh, of course, my voice is weak. I would do my, Leonard, my Leonard's Losers uh, um, impression. i do a pretty good one. But, boy, he could he could ride it up, couldn't he? Bear Bryant's oh, group of big pachyderms invade the bayou. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just, it was. When,
8: when, when, when Charlie Powell when Charlie and yeah. his large wildest is the Jordan Hale Stadium the place pac died his angry feline <laughs> oh, oh Lord, he could break it
2: down awesome. yeah you know and and, and, and like yeah. we say the tagline everybody's always predicting winners he would always say you know i say Coach Brian's pack of dumbs invade Death Valley with well, they've owned Charlie Mack and the Tigers this year LSU's <laughs> ready for a fight but in a close one in the swamp <laughs> Letters loser LSU. I mean, it was awesome, dude. Oh, that's, that's it. Gary. People you got it. <laughs> People are sitting hey, here talking about. Hey, what, Gary, the, do you, what are do they you talking about? Like your
8: dad. I feel like my dad was back in the seventies telling me about football games in the fifties and forties. Now, when I'm talking about the old days of the seventies, you know.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's the only thing when we, when I go back down memory lane like that, and that's why I asked Justin, you know, there's a certain, and it isn't just people in their 20s. I mean, you know, I'm 59, i turned 60 this year. I think you're right around 60. Um, yeah. So we, yeah. it's in our wheelhouse, but for anybody that's, gosh, man, if you were born after, you know, let's say 1980, I mean you know, Brian's not something that you grew up with and, and, um, right. You know, but I think if you're a fan, like you and I were talking about, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, you know, I didn't live through it or I wasn't old enough to remember, but I still, I familiarize myself with the Wallace Wade era and the Frank Thomas era, obviously coach Bryant's early years, even red drew what happened under ears. Whitworth, um, you know, you 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 want if you're a fan of a school, and you follow a school, I think you want to, or you should want to, increase your knowledge, not just since you've been alive and been following, but what helped build the program. And you know, I love. Oh, we ran that Roses of Crimson documentary back before Alabama played. Uh, Michigan in, in in the in the Rose Bowl, it had been done by Alabama Public Television back in the early two thousands, and I I, you, I need to send you a copy of that. You would love that. It told the story of oh it awesome. the first Thank trip you. to the Rose Bowl, taking the train with Johnny Mac Brown and Wallace Wade and them in Alabama. You know, really, yeah. if you people that don't know, when Alabama beat Washington in that Rose Bowl, that shocked the world, cowboy. <clears throat> Oh yeah. I mean, they were oh, thought yeah. of as a sacrificial lamb. There was no way Alabama was gonna go, you know, beat a beat a West Coast power. And that and when I talk about the history of Alabama football and why Alabama is unmatched in in not just since Pride, but the history of college football, Alabama put Southern football on the map. Period. Southern yeah. football was thought yeah. of as inferior to the, to the northeast and to the west in the midwest. Southeastern area football was thought of as not even in the same league, Cowboy, and Alabama changed all right. that. That's why they're Dixie's football pride.
8: Oh, yeah. I read that story on AL.com about uh, Johnny Mac Brown, you know, that got him in Hollywood. Sure it I mean, <coughs> that was just an unbelievable story, you know, and Johnny Mac Brown played some great Cowboy characters, and I'm sure Tom would appreciate, you know, the greatness of Johnny Mac Brown in those movies and it was just unbelievable. you know, it even talked about how when movies were silent he was in A movies, but when they went to uh, you know, voice it kind of slowed his career down. He had to go back to B movies and come back because of his southern accent. They had to work Yeah. It was just it was just awesome. But,
2: but he was you know, a he uh, was a star. And you're right. He uh you know, he wound up after he became a. You know, he's from Dothan, Alabama. Johnny Matt Brown was, and I've read up on him quite a bit. And he, you know, once he went out there and became a star, you know, that's where he he lived until he passed away. Uh, he lived yeah. in he lived in Los Angeles, and uh, but you're right; it was all a result of Alabama going out there to play in that Rose Bowl. And and um, anyway, we're we're talking over some people's heads, I know, but too bad.
8: Yeah, it, but you know, it just. The Alabama brand, it, it it's pretty strong, you know it it's it, it, it's
2: really there. Well, I would encourage yeah. people. They hear us mention Johnny Mac Brown. If you've never heard of Johnny Mac Brown, Google the guy. Uh, Google the guy and and see one of Alabama's first true football stars. Then see you'll you can see all the pictures, and then you can see the Hollywood pictures, and you can read his his life story. <laughs> And, uh, and it's phenomenal because again, as Cowboy alluded to, he came up still in the silent film era and, uh, but he was a true Hollywood star. And, um, oh, yes. I mean, he was a, he was a headliner as they, they, they said, you know, he, did hey, those-
8: I'm sure some of your, I was going to say this and I'll let you go. I'm sure some of your Tuscaloosa listeners remember and it's only been 30, 35, 40 years ago. That Central High School in Tuscaloosa used to run the Notre Dame box offense. Oh, sure even did. In the late 80s. You know, and man, that was wild to watch. And, uh, that, you know, so there's still some recent history of people's memories.
2: Of Ed, Ed, school, Ed, Reed ran that, Ed Reed ran that Notre Dame box. Boy, and they ran people crazy with it, you know?
8: They did. But
2: Coach Finley at Barry would always put a
8: stop to it. Hey, Coach Finley.
2: Well, he was, we one, he was one of the best. All yeah, right, cowboy, way over on time. I appreciate the call, man. Enjoyed, Enjoyed it, man. It. Thank you. All right, ten nineteen here on the Gary Harris show. A reminder, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, downtown twenty three hundred, thirteenth Street. <clears throat> Lord. Uh, it's ready for you when you're ready. The y is ready when you're ready. And uh we talked about the personal trainers yesterday. Uh help you get in shape, the facility's top-notch, fitness classes, silver sneakers program.
1: For what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Based on recent survey of new customers who switched and saved, underwritten by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company and affiliates. Excludes Massachusetts. Liberty,
2: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA-certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program call today to
1: secure your best bet for big wins is just minutes away at Birmingham Racecourse Casino, where you can be a winner too. Off I-459 exit 31 Derby Parkway Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Another spring-like day today with a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 69 becoming cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered rain showers and turning colder after midnight The low 36 tomorrow cold and breezy, the sky mostly cloudy, the high 47. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hot!
0: Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: Show ten twenty two. 22 Gary Harris, Justin Jones. We gave the news on A.J. McCarron returning to the St. Louis Battle Hawks to play in the spring lead, the UFL, which is the combined USFL and XFL from last year. Of course, uh, A.J. was the XFL MVP, and uh, I know he is excited to be back with that team after um, the best year professionally that he's ever had as a quarterback, getting to be the start of the entire year, putting up incredible numbers that led him back to an opportunity in the NFL uh, to be a practice squad player and later an active roster player with the Bengals and make that big NFL money again. But he had said last year was the most funny had playing quarterback since he was in Alabama. And now an opportunity to be there again, you know, he and his wife and his boys, they travel in a motor home, his family. And, um, to all the games. And so uh, that'll be fun to watch AJ now in, a, in what's going to be a much stronger league because you're combining the two leagues. Uh, Justin, you follow this pretty closely. Uh, how many, how many teams will they have this year? Do you have the, do you have it pulled up by any chance? Can you give us a little more information on how this combined league is going to work and give us all the teams?
3: Yeah, definitely. So the uh, UFL is the XFL conference and the USFL conference. They're basically taking four teams from each and combining, um, Noticeably, the XFL is headlined by Thunder and I guess founder, not founder because it's been around before, but the Dwayne The Rock Johnson, of course, is the one leading that and lots of connections to the NFL. In um, the USFL, the Birmingham Stallions, the Houston Roughnecks, the Memphis Showboats, and the Michigan Panthers are the four teams. Birmingham Stallions, the reigning national champions in that league. And then the XFL, <coughs> you're getting the Arlington Renegades, the DC Defenders. The San Antonio Brahmas, the St. Louis Battlehawks, and Arlington, the reigning champ from that league the past season.
2: Yeah, in fact, Stagans, two-time defending champs in the USFL. So they'll combine the league, but they'll play the two leagues as different conferences. Is
3: that how? I believe so. They're going to play okay. them as, as two different conferences, and so their, their championship game will come from, from the both. Yeah, yeah. When does the season start? Um, I don't have the date pulled up, but it's in March. Yeah. The season, it'll be in Birmingham, I believe.
2: Yeah, and the Stallions, like I said, they're kind of <clears throat> really the headline organization. Uh, and, and I've never been a huge spring football guy because every time they started one, you could just see from the, from the get-go that it wasn't going to go. I tried to support them. And then I guess when I really lost, and I wasn't even living in Alabama at the time, but I remember when the CFL put a team in, in Birmingham. The Birmingham Barracudas, yeah, and I'm like, see, Canadian Football League, and, and 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 you know, so they've come and gone, and even a few years ago, that league they had when Trent Richardson was playing, I followed that and got excited about it. I can't remember the name of the league.
3: Um, I know it was the Birmingham Iron. That yeah, Birmingham Iron, I can't and, think and of the uh, but
2: then COVID kind of knocked them out, you know. But this league, uh, particularly the USFL, I watched it more than I did the XFL. But both these leagues had you know found kind of found their niche and now combining like this I think our appetite for football in this country is so strong that spring professional football has found its footing and I think this league's going to be around for a long time. The best thing is they're not going to try to compete with the NFL. I mean they understand and that's that's the key is you know when the USFL came out the first time in in, in 83 their problem was they wanted to be an they wanted to compete with the NFL. And too many of the organizations got in over their head financially by signing players to record contracts that they couldn't stand up. Because I think the appetite then, they had an ABC contract, national contract with ABC. I think people were excited about the USFL. And I think you could have made it, but the financial plan was just not. You had too many rogue owners who were just spending money without any concept of eventually you gotta bring some some money in and some revenue in and it failed. Of course I go back to the seventies with the World Football League, the WFL, the Birmingham Americans and the Birmingham Vulcans. And um and I used to love watching those games. They would pop up. The intros would have a cartoon. You would see this plane flying over, and it would drop out. The, or crane flying over, and it drop out this egg, and it would pop open with a USFL football player. Uh, and they had a chance for a while. And yeah, uh, do a do a World Football League Google search. Uh, Justin, read all about it. Birmingham, and one of the Birmingham teams won the won the uh, championship, and then. After the game, I'd have to. I, I hope I remember this correctly, but they locked the doors and didn't have money to pay the didn't have money to pay the players, and eventually it had to. But you know the but the WFL made news when um, you know they signed Larry. The Memphis team signed uh, Larry Zaka, Jim Kick, and Mercury Morris from the Dolphins, and yeah. So the idea of a spring football league has been around for a while. They've come and they've gone, but this one seems to have stuck a little bit. So I'm happy for AJ McCarron and happy for all the different players that either were on practice squads or not in the NFL or, you know, even CFL players to get an the one-day, hands-on driving school gives teens experience in car control through exercises that include emergency braking and skid recovery. Find a class near you at
0: TireRack.com survive. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well, The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: Back into the Gary Harris show, and it's time for the Auburn Report. We always turn to Brett Pritchard from the Auburn Blitz to give us the latest on the Tigers and uh big weekend coming up there on the plains. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Gary. What's up, buddy? Oh, man, a lot. Uh, Auburn gets that blowout win, largest win ever by an Auburn men's basketball team over a top 25 opponent, 40 points, 101, 61 over South Carolina. And now, tomorrow, uh, Kentucky comes in for a game tomorrow night, but you've got college game day. Um, in town at Neville Arena in the morning. So the place is going to be cranked, cranked anyway, but going to be extra cranked. Uh, what's the atmosphere like? Are you going to get to go uh, for game day? And uh, what's the uh, what's the excitement level down there on the plains?
5: Yeah, yeah I'm going to be down there, uh, Gary. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. I was walking out of the arena uh, Wednesday night, and uh, as soon as the game was over, students were setting up their tents outside in line. Jeez. And, well, let, let me let me explain something. Everybody kind of looks at it like when it was everybody going out. Here, here's the deal. Uh, if you don't get in line or you get a place in line, uh, you're not going to get in the arena. So that, that's the whole point. And, and, and people want to make out like, well, Kentucky, Kentucky yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. When Alabama comes to town, it's a big deal. This has <clears throat> become the trend at Auburn. This, it, it's because there's very limited student seating. Along the bottom level. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get in there, uh, you got to get in line. And nobody's out there saying you can't get in line until today or whatever. So you got students going out there marking spots, trying to set that up. So it, it, it's become that way for almost every home game. It doesn't matter who the opponent is, especially in the SEC. So, um, but yeah, as soon as that game was over, Students turning around, putting stuff out there, marking their marking their spot, almost like a tailgate. Uh, and and again, when you do have Kentucky, that's been the really the the program in the SEC forever. Uh, they always are going to draw attention, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, the students are going to be revved up, like you said. Neville's a very very hard place to play. Um, doesn't matter uh, who the opponent is, and I heard uh i think it was uh i can't remember one of the announcers on uh espn said uh it doesn't matter if uconn or purdue or whoever comes into neville arena without environment it's gonna be a hard place for them to come in and get a win so that, that's what you want you want to establish a, a a extremely tough environment for opposing teams to come into into your place and that's what bruce pearl's done with with neville arena it it is you know, obviously a smaller arena, it's kind of like Cameron Indoor for Duke. And, uh, but they played on that and they built the brand and, uh, it's the hottest ticket in town.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal atmosphere. And, and you look at Kentucky and I agree with everything you said. I, I will say this, Kentucky's still Kentucky. And, um, and, and it's just like Alabama football. You know, when Alabama football visits a campus, it and, and doesn't mean other games aren't big, but right. it, it's different. I mean, Kentucky is 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 the school in basketball in this conference. And Auburn's better than Kentucky. I think, you know, I both agree with that. And they're playing them at home. Auburn should win the game. But this is still Kentucky. And, and they're still loaded with talent. And you always, when you play Kentucky, you know they're capable of putting it together and spoiling the party. So it, it's, right, you know, they've still got those type of players. Now, I don't think they're going to win the game. <clears throat> Albert hadn't lost at home since last year to Alabama. But I think you're always you always have to respect the, you know, the big blue. You just do. And you You have to be leery of the talent that they're going to bring in there. Right.
5: No no doubt. I think, I think you summed it up. I mean, I think everybody understands the mission uh, and they understand who the opponent is. And, and like you said, they've, they've earned that right, you know, over, over time. I mean, there's something to be said about uh, tradition and history and, uh, national championships, and Kentucky's one of the most prominent programs in the history of NCAA basketball. And, um, again, they they run out as much or better talent than anybody in the country every single year uh, with what John Calipari is able to put together. So, yeah. But what he does run out there generally is a bunch of pressure.
2: That's true. because yeah. they
5: have a, again. A, and, and coming into a place like Neville Arena or any place is tough to play, it's hard. Uh, you know, this this Kentucky team is good, but they don't play very good in defense. Uh, they've, you know, done something they've never had happen before this year to lose three straight in Rupp Arena. and You know, talk about a place that's tough to go play. Rupp Arena has been a nemesis for almost everybody uh, until recently. And, uh, you know, you look at a South Carolina team uh, this past Wednesday, a veteran team, strong physical team. Uh, I was impressed with them, seeing them up close and personal. You can see where they're going to be tough in a neutral setting. They've just got a lot of discipline. Uh, they've got a lot of experience to lean on. And they can play a physical brand of basketball with anybody. Uh, they were 21-3 and 3 for a reason coming into that game. And I don't think anybody expected it to get away from them like it did. And, and again, I think sometimes you can be humbled uh, pretty quickly in this league. And that's a good basketball team. And People should not <clears throat> carry their impression of South Carolina moving forward off that game. And I, I think they'll rebound and they'll they'll still finish strong in this league. But, again, that just shows you it doesn't matter. I mean, just a few days prior to that, Auburn went to Florida and they looked like South Carolina looked at Auburn. I mean, it's just you never know in this league. And uh, I mean, you've seen Texas A&M go on the road twice to two of the lower-tier teams in the league, with Arkansas – and Vanderbilt and lose buzzer beaters. You know, Buzz Williams, I can promise you, wishes he had those two games back. They'd be sitting up there closer to the top of the conference. So, but it is Kentucky, uh, Gary, and uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta play well, and it takes a big time effort uh, from an opponent to come in there and win. But you know, a lot of times the, the few losses Auburn's had over the last three or four years in that arena, they've helped teams, and they've also been teams that have been able to come in and physically match what Auburn's been able to do inside. So um, defensively for Kentucky, that's a weakness. That's why I feel good about it. I I just think it's going to be hard for them to match that physicality and that intensity and that build.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. You talked about the Kentucky style of recruiting, and I guess the portal, uh, the extra gear that everybody's gotten from COVID... NIL, and we saw it last year a little bit with Alabama. You bring in a real talented freshman class, and you get them for a year. Um, that has been an equalizer, don't you think, with Kentucky? No doubt they still have top-tier oh, yeah. talent. But they're playing against grown men now a lot. And, and I, you know, like I said, I saw it with some of those Alabama freshmen last year. Uh, talent is one thing, but when you run into teams that have guys that, like, you know, Alabama ran into San Diego State, had, you know, I think five guys that were 24 years old or older on that roster, uh, that's a difference. 18, 19 year nineteen-year-old kids playing against 24, 25 year twenty-five-year-old grown men. Uh, no matter how the talent level is, like you said, that maturity. And Auburn's a mature basketball team. They've got some guys that have been around the block. That's that's hard to counter sometimes, regardless of your talent level. No, I, I and think Auburn's said, talented too. I don't mean to say they're not. Well, talented. no, 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 no. I,
5: no, I get it. No, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my take. I think Auburn's got a good team. I think mean, they got eleven solid players. I don't think they have a superstar now. If Janai Broome was standing beside me, he may, he may disagree. <laughs> yeah,
2: but, he's pretty good. You
5: know, but, but, you know, he – again, I don't think there is a guy that you look at on Auburn's team and you go, man, that, that guy's a no-brainer first-round pick. Now, Janai Broome could be. I mean, he, he's he got – he's extended his range shooting the basketball. He can handle the basketball. He can get down low and play the physical game. He's, he's really come back this year and I think wanted to. Demonstrate and display and try out basically and show everybody he's got every facet of the game that you need to be in the NBA at his size. And the other night he hit four threes. He had four two pointers. He had four threes. You know, and that, I think that's uh, you know, that's just you know icing on the cake for him to show that he really has expanded his game. So he makes it tough now. Now you've got to really honor, you know, Janiah Broome outside the arc, whereas maybe a couple of years ago, you leave him alone. And uh, you say, okay, take that shot. Well, now South Carolina tried to do that, and they got burned by it. So um, <clears throat> Jalen Williams, the same way. I mean, Jalen Williams has been there for five years, and he stuck this thing out and is a really good basketball player and especially good at home. But on the road, I mean, we've seen Jalen go miss. I mean, it's really amazing to go from – the performance he had at Florida to the performance he had on Wednesday night at South Carolina, and we've seen him do it several times this year. I think he's a top-tier player, but, uh, again, he has his struggles on the road as well. But this is a veteran team, and and you and I have talked about Alabama and San Diego State a few times on your show, and I think that's kind of what you look at. If you're able to keep some guys around, Dylan Cardwell, Janai Brew, Jalen Williams, Katie Johnson, that experience, you know, sometimes can trump, uh, you know, maybe a little bit better talent on the other side because they're younger. So uh, they've been together more. They have that chemistry together. And then when you play on that home court advantage uh, inside an arena like Noble Arena, uh, it's 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 a little bit too much to handle sometimes for some of these younger
2: teams. Well, tomorrow evening at five o'clock, it is going to be exciting. Uh-huh. Of course, game day there tomorrow down at, uh, at Neville arena as well. So I know it was a lot of excitement, uh, at Auburn. And you also got, uh, you know, like at most of the SEC campuses, you got baseball this weekend, Auburn getting Absolutely. started off against, uh, Eastern Kentucky beginning tonight at six o'clock. Um, what do you expect from the Tigers this year? You know,
5: I expect, uh, good pitch. I, I really do. I'll start there. I think, uh you know, uh, Butch Thompson, again, you look at, uh, veteran guys. I mean, the three starters slated for this season are, are juniors. Um, Chase Austin, uh, Coach Thompson really bragged on him and, and, and earning, a uh, opening day start, uh, for Auburn. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, kind of bounced around and, uh, tried to figure out where his role is. Um, uh, and he's, he's had over 78 innings of, of of work under his belt so a lot of it coming out of the bullpen he he bounced around had a few starts last year uh but uh a guy that i think coach thompson's gonna rely on uh to really uh to really be a a guy that they could have to run out there on the first night of of conference play and then uh, of course you've got uh you know it was kind of a double-edged sword you you wanted joseph gonzalez last year but he got injured uh you get him back he was one of the uh, better pitchers in the league going into last year. Uh, he's fully healthy now. Um, that, that is a major, major gift for Auburn to get him back mm-hmm. this year. And if he stays healthy, uh, it's going to be a tough, tough matchup for anybody they play. And he'll go on Saturday. And then another junior pitcher in, in Carson Myers will get the start on Sunday. So, you know, I think uh, Coach Thompson, we had him on our show a few weeks ago, um, feels really good about the depth of the bullpen. Uh, but really likes these starters, uh, really has a lot of faith in them and what they've been able to do and, and kind of their experience and background. But, you know, just looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing what they can do with, uh, you know, the bats as well. They've got a lot of guys coming back, Bobby Pierce and, you know, Ike Irish, uh, you know, two guys that are preseason, all SEC guys. And, um, you know, you got uh, a lot of great defenders back, especially in the outfield. So, uh, get started uh, today, and uh, you know, hopefully the weather holds off for tomorrow. I think the temperature is going to drop to like the, the mid-40s as a high tomorrow, so just right on time for the, the start of baseball.
2: Seems like that happens every year, doesn't it, Red? Yeah. No doubt. It's it cold for the opener. Uh, softball is off to a 4-1 and one start. Um, what, are you, what are you seeing from, from softball?
5: Yeah, I think it was a little disappointing. Uh, last weekend, of course, rain uh, killed uh, a couple of games Auburn was supposed to play. Uh, ended up tying Virginia Tech um, uh, on Saturday. Uh, beat Belmont. Uh, lost that first game to Virginia. Now, Virginia Tech's the top 25 team, obviously. Uh, lost that first one, 8-1, but then battled back and had that win and tie, and then had to cancel uh, the games with Illinois and Belmont. But gone down to Puerto Varita, uh, gotten off to a really good start, beat a really good Wichita State team, a ranked team in Wichita State. Uh, then beat UC Davis, and then uh, a one nothing win uh, over Utah, a walk-off win against Utah, who's ranked number 13 in the country. So, um, again, it's led by Maddie Tenna and still be low uh, in the circle pitching. Um, and I think uh, you got two veterans there uh, that Mickey Dean's going to rely on. Uh, the bats have been the issue with Mickey Dean. A lot of people have, you know, wanted to see the, the offense get better. Uh, again, they won another close one yesterday. They have a day off. Uh, and they'll take on number eight Clemson tomorrow at 11:30 uh, in the final game of that uh, of that tournament down there. So um, the pitching's there, Gary, for for Auburn softball. Can they, can their bats be good enough to get them where they need to be? I think that's what we'll watch through the season.
2: And finally, I think a lot of Auburn people felt like uh, Johnny Harris would do a good job there with a the women's team that had been had gotten uh, down pretty bad, and uh, she already led. Uh, Auburn to win over Alabama earlier this season at Neville on Sunday. The Tigers come in here to uh, Tuscaloosa for a big basketball game.
5: They do, Uh, you know. She she really has um, turned this program around. Uh, She had a, uh, I mean, for lack of better terms, a mess to come in and clean up. I mean, it was Auburn had fallen to the bottom of the the conference, and uh, she came over from Mississippi State as a very very highly touted assistant uh, back when Mississippi State was at their peak and um you know she's building this thing the right way she's got a really good recruiting class coming in Auburn uh last night they uh they knocked off Kentucky kind of ran away with that game so they you, you've just seen that this, this program improve under her watch and yeah it, it'll be tough you know Auburn able to knock off Alabama at home and now they'll go uh and return the favor and make a trip to Tuscaloosa but you know I think the confidence level for this team and uh, and, and anything, Gary, we talk about, it all comes down to the players and what and and do you have enough good players to compete in this league? And she's really recruiting and getting it to where we need it need it to be.
2: All right, great uh, content as always, Brett. I appreciate it. I know you got more coming up today on the Auburn Blitz.
5: Yeah, we'll be with everybody here in just a little bit over an hour, and uh, have our good friend Jason Caldwell on from Auburn Undercover to talk about. Opening weekend of baseball and uh, and getting close to spring football, Gary. Here in just a few
2: weeks. Thank you, pal. Right, thank you. All right, ten forty seven. We got one final segment to go. T town Menswear, T town Gallery, University Mall. <coughs> Two great stores in one. Look your best if you're a gentleman, and then also get some of the finest Alabama football memorabilia you're going to find anywhere. Probably the best collection in the state. T town Menswear, T town Gallery, University Mall, Tuscaloosa. We'll be back with a final segment. We're going to hear from Ryan Grubb uh, talking about you know, kind of how it went down at Alabama. He was the offensive coordinator at Alabama, and he was prepared to do that job until he got the opportunity with Seahawks. We'll hear from him next here on the Gary Harris Show.
0: On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson.
2: Tune in
5: Monday, we'll recap the Alabama-Texas A&M game. We also look back at the Auburn-Kentucky game and the standings in the SEC. In the second hour, we'll talk with Doug Bell about the Genesis, find out how Nick Dunlap, Tiger Woods, and Justin Thomas did.
0: Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9. And Tide100.9.com.
2: As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the lucky lunch meeting.
8: I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough
2: Elder abuse is a crime and together
0: we can stop it If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA Grant number 18VAVS050, the
1: ABA, and this station. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Another spring-like day today with a mixture of clouds and sunshine, the high 69. Becoming cloudy tonight, the chance of a few scattered rain showers and turning colder after midnight below 36. Tomorrow, cold and breezy, the sky mostly cloudy, the high 47. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Need to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive content. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: All right, 10.50, winding it down for another week on the Gary Harris Show, but not done yet. And I do want to mention that during the basketball game tomorrow between Alabama and Texas A&M, the Crimson Tide um, basketball is going to honor the only Elite Eight team in Alabama history. Now, there's been some teams. A lot of teams made it to the Sweet 16. We know that, including two here under Nate Oates. Um, had some teams that were good enough to go to the Final Four that didn't make it. But only one team. In the history of Alabama basketball, has advanced past the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. And that was 2004. Uh, Alabama made it all the way to the Elite Eight, where they lost to eventual national championship team winning UConn remember that team very well because during the regular season they were a good team they were not a great team in 2002 Alabama uh, won the SEC championship was a number two uh, seed and got knocked out in the second round in 2003 they went all the way to number one in the country in the rankings but had a disappointing NCAA tournament performance but in 2004 kind of out of nowhere uh, Alabama made a run man They made a run, including knocking off number one-ranked Stanford in the Sweet 16 and then ran into a buzzsaw in UConn. But that team will be honored tomorrow. Of course, head coach Mark Gottfried, some of the key players, Kennedy Winston, Chuck Davis. He was a beast during that tournament. Antoine Petway, of course, coaches at Kennesaw State, so I don't know if he'll be able to be there or not. Ernest Shelton, Jamario Davidson, Evan Brock, Demetrius Smith, Reggie Rambo. I remember all these guys. And uh, that team was special, and they made it all the way to the Elite Eight 20 years ago. Time flies. That team will be honored tomorrow during the Alabama-Texas A&M basketball game. All right, we want to get that Ryan Grubb audio that we talked about at the top of the show. He had a Seattle Seahawks introductory press conference on Thursday, and he was asked about the situation at Alabama. Here's Ryan Grubb.
7: Uh, You know, i thought about that process a lot of times, honestly. So I think just in the situation we are in made it tougher, um, just that he was getting – getting it started out in Alabama and, you know, want to be there for them. But, you know, I knew this is what ultimately that I wanted to do if the right situation came up. Uh, you know, the timing is, is so difficult to really describe. So I think that was the hardest part was being in that position where the timing wasn't going to be perfect. And I think in this industry, the people that are in it, you, know, you just know that the timing is never going to be perfect. So best possible scenario, you know, you'd love those timelines to marry up a little bit better. Um, and obviously, you know, that was the hardest part, honestly. We, we knew this day would come for sure, and I'm, I'm excited for Cale, and I know he's going to do a phenomenal job down in Alabama, and, and uh, I know he's excited for me for this opportunity. Ryan, you
1: had, you had made it pretty clear that you wanted the UW job and you wanted to stay here. Had you reconciled that you were going to be in Tuscaloosa at, at any point in this process that like, it was set that you were going to
7: be? Yeah, there? no, that was, uh, that's where I was. You know what I mean? That was uh, that was really the the point was to take the job down there and be the offense coordinator and and nothing was set here. You know, Mike was going through his process and trying to make the best decisions he could for uh, the Seahawks and so nothing was set and so I had to keep moving forward with the job that I had taken and that was the Alabama offensive coordinator job. So uh, yeah, I just had to trust the process and and know that it would end up the right way.
2: All right, good. I'm glad we were able to get that clip in. I promised it at the top, and then we got so busy. But Ryan Grubb yesterday kind of explaining his uh, his situation. And again, I know Alabama fans got really upset when he and, of course, um, Huff, the offensive line coach, is leaving as well to go back uh, to Seattle to, to coach for the Seahawks. But I, I've talked about this, and I caught a little pushback. Uh, on it but really seriously I mean you can't blame these guys I mean these are life decisions uh, Huff's been living Scott Huff's been living in Seattle for seven years Ryan Groves has been there the last two years that's their home that's where their families are and they were coming to Alabama but they got an opportunity to coach in the National Football League not just in the NFL but in the city where they reside and I don't Again, I, I fans have a right to, to feel any way they want to feel, but I don't quite understand the anger toward Ryan Grubb for taking this opportunity. I mean, it is what it is, folks. I mean, he was going to work hard if he'd been at Alabama, but I think Coach DeBoer knew that if an opportunity opened up <coughs> with the Seahawks, that Grubb and ultimately Huff— If they had an opportunity, we're probably going to pursue that. So you move on, and Nick Sheridan's not going to be the offensive coordinator and the play caller. Alabama's going to hire a good offensive uh, line coach. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I think that uh, Kalen DeBoer, it's his offense, he grooms people to run his offense. And, yeah, it would have been great for Ryan Grubb to stay. But I think Nick Sheridan will be ready. I think they'll have a good staff, and uh, they'll move forward. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Gary Harris Show and for another week as well. Appreciate you bearing with me this week while I've been battling, uh, you know, this post-viral cough. But we got through it. Hopefully at a weekend. I've got to work tomorrow. But hopefully Sunday I'll get some rest and – and. Um, You'll know, be ready to go on Monday. We'll have another great show for you then. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVUA 23. Busy weekend as we talked about for Alabama sports. We'll have it all covered for you over the weekend. I'll be back on Monday with another show. We've got T-Town Sports Daily coming up next at 11 a.m., followed by the Miller's Edge from noon until 2, then Fowler will take you home with the game this afternoon from 2 until 6. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Have a great weekend, everybody, and Roll Tide
0: open lights falling on the you endlessly my heart like an open book for the whole world to read sometimes
6: nothing keeps me together at the seams
0: thank you for listening to the gary